Welcome to In Conversation. I'm Diana Campos. In Conversation features Dean Michael Horswell and faculty from Florida Atlantic University's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters, talking about research and creative activities that span the arts, humanities, and social sciences. For Dr. Peter Cruz, achieving an indispensable doctoral degree in public administration meant he could share his knowledge to Florida Atlantic University's posterity. While I was out in industry and organizations, trying to change the world by being out there and dealing with things after the fact was very hard. And so I had this bright idea that if I could actually get to students as they were coming up, I might be able to make a longer term impact. Values and morals are central to conversations about making decisions for the public and the economy, especially during these trying times as this year's presidential election approaches. Cruz is executive director of the Leroy Collins Public Ethics Academy and affiliate associate professor at Florida Atlantic University. Not only does he teach ethics, but he lends his perspective in multiple organizations for Palm Beach County. As a distinguished alumnus of FAU, he is chair of two committees, serves as part of the board of directors for seven organizations, and co-chair of the Palm Beach County Mayor's Ball. He is our guest for this edition of In Conversation. He joined Dean Horswell in a virtual meeting in May of 2020. So good afternoon, Dr. Peter Cruz. It's a pleasure to have you in conversation with me this afternoon. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. So I wanted to start out by talking about how you got involved in the work that you do in ethics and in public administration. I know you had a, had a long career in different aspects of public administration. So maybe you could just tell us what got you interested way back when, when you started out, and then what motivated you to get into doing your doctoral degree and going into this profession. Sure. I came back to the academy after a professional career oh, of about 88, about 14 years working both the public and the private sector. And I have both my undergraduate and my master's degree from FAU over two periods of time. And when I came back to uh, Palm Beach County after living elsewhere up north, the FAU along with FIU had just started a joint PhD program in public administration down at the Broward campus. So both universities, it was to start out to see if both universities could get one PhD program going. And they did, became, I was one of the first students admitted in the um, cohort of, of, of the first PhD students. And it was full-time and I had to leave working for a salary and transition back to a TA, GA person being able to have enough money to say that I could live on on, on that uh, salary uh, while I was working uh, towards my doctorate. And I, I was working on that from about for about five years through dissertation and graduated with my doctorate in 95. During that time, I had some great experiences down. We were, at that point, our program was located in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And I got to work with a grad assistant for former Florida Governor Ruben Askew, who taught for about five years at FAU during the time I was there. 
and through him got to meet Bob Graham and former Governor Leroy Collins of Florida. Governor Collins was governor from the, from the mid 50s to around 1961. And that comes into play later in our discussion with him. I went back to academia later than usual. I think I was 32 when I started, and I was somewhat older than most of the traditional students who come right out of master's programs. The reason I came back was not to make more money. In fact, the first night of my first class for a doctoral program, the professor came in and said, well, if you're here to make any more money than what you were getting with a graduate degree, you ought to leave because you're not. You gotta be here for something else other than making money. The reason I came back was that while I was out in industry and organizations, I trying to change the world um, by being out there and dealing with things after the fact was very hard. And so I had this bright idea that if I could actually get to students as they were coming up, I might be able to make a longer term impact, which was rather grandiose on my part, but I thought that way back when I was young. I had been asked to be a guest lecturer some number of times for various friends who taught at FAU and at other colleges in other parts of the country. So I enjoyed standing up and doing the traditional, you know, chalk and talk, as we used to call it. It wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, I'm going to do this. I was, I'd been thinking about it for a while. Hmm. So in 95, I graduated with my doctorate and got a visiting professorship about a month later, and I've been teaching more or less full-time ever since. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, we're, I'm really excited because the School of Public Administration, as you know, is now transitioning to be a part of the Dorothea Schmidt College of Arts and Letters. And so it's, I think this is my first podcast with a professor from from the School of Public Administration. And, I feel honored, yes. And so this is real exciting. So as of July 1st, you'll be on our faculty in, in Arts and Letters. And we just think it's a wonderful addition to our college to have the different degrees that your school offers students. And as you said, there seems to be a real altruistic impulse to those students and professionals who work in the areas of nonprofit management or public management, public administration, and so it's it's just it's a great fit with sort of the values of arts and letters. So welcome Thank aboard. We're happy you. to have you in the college. One thing that you bring to the college as a leader in the school is this fantastic enterprise, which is known as the FAU's Public Ethics Academy. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that academy and what it does and how it fits into the school and in, and now into the college. Right. Well, in the mid to late 2000s, there were a series of major public ethics scandals here in Southeast Florida, in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. In 2009, uh, the former Florida ethics commissioner and a former Florida state senator named Norman Ostrow approached the then dean of the College for Design and Social Inquiry, which was still in Broward, and said, we really need to do something to educate these public officials, both elected and appointed and those working in the public sector on how not to violate even the most basic ethics laws and ordinances. And he offered some seed money to start what's supposed to be an ethics center, training center of some sort. The name sort of was kicked around and it 
became a public ethics academy within the School of Public Administration and was based in uh, Broward County in Fort Lauderdale. And he, along with uh, some of the faculty in the department at the time, went out to various municipalities, Fort Lauderdale, Lauder Hill, Deerfield, some others, and were offering, here's how not to get put in jail. Here's what you have to disclose. Here's what violations of the Sunshine Law, all of which were happening. He ran the academy until 2012. Unfortunately, he had a health crisis at that point and had to leave. He's since recovered and as well, but he decided he just couldn't come back full time. And the academy was uh, sort of in suspended animation for a few years. I happened to rejoin FAU as an adjunct in mid-late 2016, and I was teaching a course or two for my old department. And the dean of the college at the time, Wes Hawkins, who you know very well, assistant school director Cliff McHugh, who I had known, called me in one day and said, how would you like to work very hard and not make any money? And I said, <laughs> sure, what, what do I have to do? They said, well, you have to see if you can reactivate and get our public ethics academy going again. And I'd, I'd known about it because I was, actually I was in California at the time teaching out there when, it, uh, when the academy was formed, but I knew of it and what it was doing. I knew a few people here and there, so I took it on. It's, it's a slow start going from, you know, almost the ground level lifting up again. But through some contacts and some friends that FAU has, an FAU name was very respected in the community. So in that respect, it wasn't hard to do. I was able to get some seed money myself from some private foundation and some other people. And we got a small operating budget going. And I started to offer one-day training sessions for some city officials here in Palm Beach County and for some agency officials just to get our name out there and going again. Well, at that time, an annual ethics conference that's been held for many years here in Southeast Florida was going on, and they invited me to be on the planning committee, which I did. And our keynote speaker that day was a former Miami-Dade County public school superintendent and former Miami-Dade County Administrator uh, Merritt Steerheim, who is well-known in South Florida and in public service for having a 60-year career now, was the speaker. So after he spoke, it was such a good speech, I went up and said, hey, I'm Peter Cruz. I, we run an ethics academy at FAU. Would, could we publish your speech? And said, great. We started meeting and talking. It turns out that he was head of the Collins Center for Public Policy in Miami, and that was named after former Florida Governor uh, Leroy Collins. That was beginning to close down after a 35-year run, and uh, Merritt said, hey, we, would you like to apply for what's left of the money in our bank? And I said, sure. He said, well, you've got about 10 days. I should have told you before, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. So we moved heaven on earth and literally from President John Kelly down to me and many people along the way, we brought forth a proposal in about six days from nothing to present to the Collins board in uh, Coral Gables. And we were up against FIU, Miami-Dade College, the Florida Endowment for the Humanities, and Goodwill Industries of Florida. Well, we got it. We won. 
we got about half a million dollars. And part of the agreement was that we would rename the Public Ethics Academy after former Florida Governor Collins. So it became Leroy Collins Public Ethics Academy. And that was in fall of 2017. We had a dedication at FAU with the board members coming. A former Florida Governor Collins's grandson came and spoke, and we've been going great guns ever since. That's fantastic. And so what are the major activities of this, now that the Collins uh, Academy? Is up and running? Yes. Well, that ethics conference that I mentioned that was being held by other organizations, we are now the convener of that, and we're in our 17th year this next November. It's usually held in one day, one day in, in November. We have, starting last year, we took it over as the convener and with bringing all the people together. Out of that comes lots of material for research and for publication. And we, we're beginning to bring that into the Ethics Academy with our online archives that you know about. And so that's one activity. The other activity is that FAU was very fortunate when Palm Beach County put their ethics ordinance into place in 2012. And a, a former professor in your college Robin Fiore was in on the planning committee. She was in the philosophy department and she was able to get put into the ordinance that the FAU president would get to name one of the five ethics commissioners for as long as there's an ethics commission. And I am now the third professor being in that position. And with that position, I was able to work with the ethics commission staff and organization. And also in Palm Beach County, we have an inspector general department and organization. And through those two, we are now providing support and information to both those organizations. And they give us information and perhaps some funding later on to help our ethics academy going. We call that the public ethics partnership here in Palm Beach County. And the state attorney is also involved, Dave Ehrenberg. So we have the state attorney, the inspector general, and the ethics commission all involved with the ethics academy. And giving having FAU already having a seat did a great deal to elevate the credibility of the public ethics academy. Colin's name helped very much, mm -hmm. and having that affiliation helped very much. We also were asked, starting this last fall, to take over the Regional High School Ethics Bowl, which is held nationally, but in this region, it's held here in Southeast Florida. The, the agency that originally set that up is the Palm Beach County School District, but it encompasses all the counties here in Southeast Florida. And they asked us, the school district, the superintendent, Dr. Fenoy, asked us to say, would you take it over because we can't run it at our school because they think we favor Palm Beach schools when we should be dealing with Broward, Miami-Dade, and Monroe counties, and Martin County. So FAU is sort of like a neutral partner now. And so we took that over, as you know, this last fall. We are also in the process of expanding through the faculty we have in the School of Public Administration, the idea of offering both out-of-tuition model certification programs for various agencies and organizations we're working on something called a certified public ethics manager credential 
through along with the Florida City County Management Association, the FCCMA and FAU coming up with a curriculum that we can offer for BSO or uh, the school district or for the city of Fort Lauderdale or for Broward County government or Palm Beach County, you can see it goes there. And we're also working on expanding ethics courses now that we're in arts and letters, offering more ethics options within our degree programs. And one of the other things we're doing, I've got a whole list, but I'll mm. stop with this, is that we are hoping to take some of the data and information we're getting from all these sources and bring an e-journal on ethics to the Ethics Academy. We wouldn't start from the ground up. There are one or two out there that are looking for homes. And now that everything is very much on the internet, having an e-journal is something that's probably workable and would be a pretty uh, easy for us to take over and keep on going. Yeah, wow, that's, that's fantastic. What, a, what an incredible list, that's great. You know, it's it's so important, I think, that kind of work, because we're a public institution, public university here in, in South Florida, and part of our mission is to serve the greater community, and that's exactly what you're doing by serving our public servants out there, helping them, you know, continue to learn, to, to grow in their professions, and also affecting, you know, maybe the public trust in our elected leaders as, as uh, ethics become more central in that conversation. You know, so we're living we're living through very troubling times right now with uh, the pandemic and with our social unrest that's literally in the papers right now. That's certainly has an ethical dimension, but even during the times of other major crises, ethics and ethical issues still are going on. Government is still going on, and uh, sometimes some of the worst ethics violations in history, when you study that, tend to happen when people's attention is focused elsewhere. And that's something that we have to be always vigilant with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as a commissioner on the Ethics Commission, I know you mentioned to me you had to work on some of the COVID issues and help them come up with guidelines and, and criteria as we face the pandemic. Maybe you could share one or two of the issues that you had to face as a commissioner and how ethics became such an important part of that conversation for public leaders. Right. It started with the Palm Beach County Medical Society asking me, because I had just be become the chair of the ethics commission, if I would serve on a, a medical ethics committee that the society has in an attempt to draw up some ethical guidelines for care for people, patients during a pandemic. One of the big things early on that people were worried about is that the hospitals and healthcare facilities would be overwhelmed and there would have to be triages made and decisions about who would get care and who would have to wait on care. And it was it's rather sobering to look at the criteria that we were recommending Obviously, there were medical issues and clinical issues that the doctors, clinicians on the committee dealt with that, but they would always turn to me and say, well, how does this strike you as an ethicist and someone who works in ethics? Because we can, we as a cold clinician, they could look at something one way, but they wanted to make sure it wasn't coming across as a completely different 
outcome than they had thought about. Some of the work required a scoring sheet for each patient. If your score was too low, you would be one of the ones that would have to wait. And so unfortunately, it did involve quantification in that way. But to get to that point, there's a lot of subjectivity that has to go into how you assign that number. There's some things on the shelf that physicians use already, but nothing that really fit the COVID potential. Fortunately, at least in our area here, we weren't overwhelmed with the need for ventilators, for example, Mm -hmm. that we would have to limit who got a ventilator. We were very fortunate, but early on, we had no idea if we would be out, as you know. And giving perhaps some of the early antiviral drugs that were coming out, they were in very short supply. Who would get those uh, was another issue. You never know where ethics will take you sometimes. And that was something rather I, I never really expected to have to deal with, but it was very, I'm glad I was able to help. Right. Well, that sounds like a very challenging task and one that must have kept you awake at night, I imagine, trying to make those decisions and uh, create those criteria. And we, I guess we are fortunate that we didn't have to use them yet. And uh, yes. we but we, actually, the county now has a pandemic protocol. If, it, if it's not Corona, you know, maybe there'll be another one coming, God forbid, down the road. Right, right. Well, we're, we're now prepared. And it's a real honor to have FAU in the center of that conversation and contributing to those activities. So thank you, Peter, for your leadership on that. Thank you. I'm happy to do it. As we close out, I just want to thank you for being here this afternoon in conversation with me. And I look forward to future conversations. and the work of your academy. Well, thank you, Dean Michael Horswell. You're certainly the most engaged dean I've seen in quite a while and happy to be working under you. Glad to work with you. You've been listening to Dr. Cruz and Dean Michael Horswell of FAU's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters in conversation. They were recorded in May of 2020. In Conversation is a production of FAU School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. I'm Diana Campos. All of us thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us for another edition of In Conversation. Listen for In Conversation on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.